0: Welcome to Running Up the Score. I am Alex Kennedy. This is my new show that airs twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday. We talk all things sports, NBA, NFL, fantasy sports, and today we are talking NBA 2K. My man, Ronnie 2K, is here, the face of NBA 2K. Ronnie, how you doing?
1: What's up, Alex? How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Appreciate you joining me. Uh, There's a lot of excitement right now about NBA 2K24, so I have to ask you, what are some new features or things that you're excited about in the new game? I mean, there's
1: a lot. Uh, it's really packed in there. Uh, I guess it starts with uh, crossplay, you know, being able to play Xbox, PlayStation uh, against each other. Um, it's just taking competition to a whole other level. I think it's, we're just thrashing the surface on what that means to, like, comp players, and it's really fun to see. Um, then, you know, the mama moments, obviously, like, celebrating the legacy of, of Kobe and, you know, everything that he meant to gaming and celebrate you know, some of the, the best ones. Um, uh, pro play with the, all the new gameplay features um, and how it's so realistic. We're really taking real-life gameplay footage and translating it for the game, which is super dope. Um, and then finally, you know, like uh, the city's taking another like huge step up the visuals with the, the rise and the elite, like, two affiliations. Like, the game has something probably want and like, that's what's really, you know, like, made it successful. Like, you can go in there and play single player, you can run a team with, you know, my NBA and, um, or you can they try to live the life of a basketball player with, with, you know, career in the city. So
0: we really try to like uh, entertain our fans in any way that we can. You've now worked at 2K Games for 15 years. I love those videos that show how much the graphics have changed from like the first games to now. It's pretty crazy. But since yeah. you've been behind the scenes over that, you know, time, how much has the game improved since you joined the company to now? I mean, it's it's imp-
1: it's it's a night and day a different game, right? Even the way that it's built, right? Like we used to build it for quick game, and you know the Rockets versus Lakers. Now it's really built for uh, my career in You live out the whole life of a basketball player. Um, graphically, obviously, like the fidelity, the aesthetics. Now you know we we go around scanning the entire league and going to in individual players and making sure that their likeness is right consistently getting tattoo updates and all of that and that's really with the aim of being the best sports simulation and um and with a you know if you're going to be a simulation you got to be authentic to what they look like so it really is just so realistic we put out that pro play trailer this year and i'm looking at it and i'm like what's gameplay what's real life like it really has gotten that blurry i mean like look, look for years the game has looked different than gameplay right and like. But now it's it's definitely getting difficult. I only assume it's gonna get even more crazy in the years to come.
0: Fifteen years ago, if you had told yourself or someone had told you you'd be in this position where you're the face of NBA 2K, you're being invited to NBA players' weddings, you have millions of followers. I mean, what would you have said? When you joined two K games, did any of this seem possible? Or, you know, how did this all come about? I guess. And no, what would you d- have said d- back then?
1: Definitely not. I mean, it wasn't ever really the plan either, you know, like I just was this super fan of the game and I wanted to give uh, the voice of the fan to the, to the fans. So, you know, being able to jump on forums originally and then Twitter and the various social media, um, it was really just like to show my love for the game and be a personality and have fun with fans talking about real life basketball and everything that went with it. But just as the game grew culturally, as the game invested in their own superstars, you know, like it just became apparent that like content was king and, we needed someone that was thinking about content and driving that. And you know, like that allows me to an avenue of my own, which is to like put out content that like people appreciate and is very about basketball and being a fan of 2k and yeah, 15 years, 15. I mean, I'm almost at 16. I'll be at 16 in, in March. Uh, Crazy. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty insane. Uh, the, that here we are, you know, um, but it really speaks to like how much our game has grown and how important it is to our fans and um, what it means to the community and, and philanthropic and all of that stuff. Like it's given us a lot of s- swim lanes to like really show our love for basketball and and put it out there. Obviously, you know my love for basketball is it, shown from that as well. So it's been very exciting.
0: Victor Wembanyama might be the most hyped up rookie in that 15-year span since you started working there. When there's a rookie that's as highly anticipated as a Wemby that everyone's talking about, you know, how tough is it to find a rating for that player and figure out, okay, how is this guy going to compare to not only the stars in today's NBA, but also the legends, which I know adds another little, you know, uh, a challenge. How did you guys figure that out? And I know there's a lot of conversation about Wembenyama's rating, but kind of what went into that process?
1: Yeah, I mean, he is the most, uh, like, hyped, rookie since LeBron, so yes, he is the most high rookie since I've been in 2K. Um, Zion notwithstanding. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, there's a lot of a, a lot of video that we have of, of Wemby and, you know, getting to watch him compete on the international level and seeing that, but, like, ultimately like, it's still not on the NBA court, and summerly, we got a, some very small sample size, two games that were actually dramatically different from each other yeah um, you know like w- but we we believe obviously with an eighty four the highest rated rookie that we've had, and uh it, since the rating schedule uh, rating system changed, like you mentioned, it's now not just um against today's players, against all time so an eighty four is a very very old stance, and you know we are are firm believers and um you Know and his skill set is really transcendent and it's um, it's it, he is a video game guy, so like, let's see if it uh translates to the court and our our belief in him, um, you know, plays out. We really think that he's gonna be really good for a long time.
0: Over the years, you and I have talked a little bit about you know what goes into a player's rating, and for people that may have missed our past interviews, can you kind of break down how you guys determine each player's rating? And I know it's a, I think people don't understand all the work that goes into it. Can you kind of yeah. share that process?
1: Yeah, it's not just a number, right? Like, it's not just a number that's spit out. It's it's a formula. The, uh, Mike Stauffer and his team do a tremendous job, like, um, putting together the formulas and, like, uh, ultimately the result. Now, some of the things the NBA player can obviously control, which are, you know, the on-the-core shooting percentages and, and if you extend your game to last three points and so on and so forth. Some of the stuff is a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more IQ based and, you know, the intangibles that, uh, a player deals with. And so basically it's 30 some odd attributes that get thrown into a formula and, and spit out this number. And this number is just so contentious. It's meant so much to so many players as they come in and, and, you know, perform in the league and it gets talked about in a locker room and, you know, like it's, it's a number that means a lot to so many people, but it is, it is more than just let's just throw darts at a wall and and see what sticks for a guy. It's, it's very well thought out. And I, you know, I I will say that like, if you look at them, not by the ratings themselves, but like by the order, it's really spot on. Like uh, there's very little to kind of discuss, you know, like that, this year, for example, Jokic is at 98. He's two steps above this huge layer of guys that are at 96 and then a, another layer of guys that are at 95. We've not never had this many mid-90s guys. You know, I mean, I just think that speaks to like the level of competition in the that there's just so many superstars. There's the older guys like KD's in year 17, which is crazy. LeBron is yeah. 21. Steph is now 13, I believe. Um, or is 15. He's, he's up there. Um, And then then you have these, you know, young guys that are are year four, year five, year six that are also like transcendent, right? And so like you've got this collection of players. The NBA has never been in a better spot in terms of its stars. And that's why the ratings just like kind of play out really well.
0: Like, and and so, so much, you know, conversation. Um, Yeah. You mentioned that, you know, players talk about this in the locker room. A couple of years ago I did a story about this where I talked to a bunch of different NBA players oh, and, right. you know, they said that they get texts from their buddies back home like, Hey, how are you lower than so and so? Or they talk about, you know, how they look, like, Oh, I should be bulked up more. I always love hearing your stories about how players react to their rating. Um, and I mentioned earlier, you know, going to NBA players' weddings. You told me the story about going to Wes Matthews' wedding and you end up, you know, El- on El- the mic. El-
1: West oh Harrison Bat- Barnes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Talking about Bat- West Matthews' Bat- 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 rating, Bat-
0: yeah. can you can you reshare that story first of all? That's an amazing one. I have to I, for people that may have yeah. missed that. I want you to share that. Yeah, I mean, it, the, that was a few
1: years ago. Obviously, HB came to my wedding, so that's how long. Oh wow! Right, so like, um, was it was at Harrison Barnes' wedding and the, the conversation? Like, I was just there as a guest with uh, you know the Uzu of the NBA, and West Matthews comes up to me and he's like, "We got to talk about that rating and." Like, I don't really know if this is the like place to do it. And then Rick Carlisle, who was the coach of the, uh, of the Mads at the time, like was like, what is this ratings thing? And then like he got explained. And then he, you know, during a speech, he brought me up and was like, this guy wants to talk about all your player ratings. And uh, it was like, really I got super contentious. I'm feeling so bad for my buddy who's getting married and his wife. Obviously who's who's wonderful. Brittany. Um, and uh, yeah, like so, there's been a lot of crazy stories about it. There were oh. less this year, which was kind of funny. Oh. Um, obviously, last year was crazy with between Katie and Clay, and you know, in in Asia in the middle of the night, that was pretty nuts. Um, you know, but again, I, to your point, Alex, like it is another place where these guys can compete, right? Like, not only are they competing on the floor, they're comp- they're they are competing in the locker room for Clout and you know, who is the best player at their position. So ultimately, like, they all want to be the best. If they they got here because they're hyper-competitive. And, you know, then, you know, being compared to their peers, the best way to do that is a, is a video game rating. So I, I get it from that standpoint. But the funny thing is it's, it's not as important as an all-NBA team, but, like, for some reason, these guys, like, treat them on the same level, you know. An all-NBA team can... Get you a super max and get you paid, you know, a hundred million dollars extra. 2K's rating can't really do that, but uh, (laughs) yeah,
0: they uh, need those bragging rights, but
1: they care just as much, which is which is pretty awesome.
0: Now, I'm curious, uh, do you feel younger players care more because they grew up playing the game? I guess now the game's been around so long that even the veterans, the older players have been playing it their entire lives too. Yeah, I guess pretty pretty much everyone has now, but what do you do you see? younger players caring more than older players just because I guess when you're younger too it's you care more about endorsements and some of these things you know I guess who's the group that you see cares most about their rating or their appearance in the game I mean again, I think that I think it's everyone now because you know
1: the older guys that didn't play our game when they were kids have obviously aged out of the league but all the older guys in the league now like all the vets definitely played our game um and have for years right like LeBron, Katie, they they all play and still play, actually. So, um, you know, I, th- I, I do think that they care, but I think after a few years, you get an understanding that, like, we don't have very many 99s, so what are you competing for? So I think there's a little right. bit... I think for a, a rookie or first couple years, you're definitely concerned about it because it's it's uh, where do you stand initially, how high do you go? I mean, it's crazy now to look at it, but, like, Luka Doncic was a... 59 in our in our game at one point. I know it wasn't NBA 2K. It was, you know, the uh, college hoops, but um, he was a 59 at one point. Giannis was a 67 in this first year in the end. You know, like, and these, yeah. are the, those are two of the favorites for MVP, you know, th- th- this year. So it really speaks to the opportunity that these players have to take their career and skyrocket that 2K rating at the same time.
0: Speaking of how things have changed, you know, over the last 15 years, now we see a ton of streamers play NBA 2K, even NBA players. You got Devin Booker, Tyrese Hallibur, and Paul George. These guys are streaming 2K. How has that helped 2K's popularity and sales, not only having streamers uh, in this huge community online, but also players streaming for their fans?
1: Well, you know, I think that the story about me kind of relates, actually. Like, you know, uh, people trust people and... and that's what a streamer is really doing. They have built up built up a, an equity and a clout with the, their own fan base. And them playing the game is them vouching for our game. And, I, you know, I'm so appreciative that the people that come to our community days when we do, like, events for our streamers and, and then, you know, continue to stream. We, we have a bunch of guys that are streaming 12 to 18 hours a day right now on the race to to the top 10 this feature we have in the game where, you know, like, it's the rep race again. And um, these people are documenting it with streaming and, and talking about. It. But then the NBA players, like, obviously, to take their very limited time and go play this game and give fans another perspective on them it, it is amazing. But I also think, like, it, it, it's a two way street. I think it really helps them as well. It gives them another marketing lane, like, it gives them a, a point of accessibility. Like, all these guys have gone into podcasting, and a few of them are really, really good. Um, but like the the g- gaming like kind of lowers the barrier of entry, right? Like he, anybody can like go on, jump on a game, understand it, and 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 like talk about it and watch somebody play it. So like there's that, and then another layer of that is this whole like esports re- revolution, right? Yeah. And we have the this one million dollar tournament going on right now with with OneUp, um, one of our partners, and these NBA players are are uh, kind of a figure that's a bit. So, Paul George is the one this week. Um, and his, he's got a tournament that's coming up next this weekend, tomorrow, starting tomorrow. And the winner of that gets $25,000. But, like, ultimately, the winner of this tournament gets a million dollars. And so, I mean, just another lane for... Fan, like the players to have their own invitationals and invite their fans to it. Super awesome that they get to have that as a marketing vehicle. But for us, it, you know, it helps with engagement and gives our players another form of entertainment and another thing that they can be doing. And you know, that's just super awesome. So any way that we can give more opportunities for our fans to engage with our product, but also be entertained, that's all. What we're all about, and we really appreciate the streamers and NBA players participating in that.
0: You mentioned esports. Uh, the NBA recently announced that the 2K League saw significant growth in viewership, engagement. You know, had a really successful year. What are your thoughts on the 2K League and its growth? I
1: mean, it's it's done remarkably. Five years uh, complete, and the road that it took to get there, and now we're at you know twenty three teams, and and now teams that are outside of. The NBA that are are participating as well, um, super super cool. Uh, the players that engage in it like work really hard, work tirelessly to you know make it successful. So uh,
0: it's been super fun to watch, and uh, I you know I can't wait for season six. Going back to some of the rating conversation, who were some of the toughest players to rate? Um, you know, we mentioned incoming players, young players, especially when you're trying to compare them to legends who have already retired, but. Are there certain positions, certain, you know, types like, of players? Uh, like, who are the yeah. hardest to rate?
1: Um, I would say, obviously, the 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 hardest ones are what you mentioned. It's it's the ones where we don't have a lot of data. We, we need sample size, um, especially the international ones where, you know, film is at a little bit more limited in time zones and the media is not cover them as much. Um, but I would say, like, obviously, big men are tougher than... Guards get the ball out of their hands a little bit more. What else can they do? Like I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, like we did that um underrated thing and uh where players could come on and like prove to me that their badges should be better. And so like Carl Anthony Towns, good buddy of mine, like he uh he came out and he's like, my outlet passing and, and ability to start a break is so good, and you guys have me as like no badge here. So I'm like, okay. Uh, let's set up an obstacle course and we did that and he proved that his, his dad should be better that he is a great outlet passer and so we you know we increase that and get them the opportunity to do that so like that's the kind of thing that like you know speaks to these players being so engaged
0: one of the things i, I think i didn't even realize how passionate the 2k community is until you kind of Watch on Twitch and and kind of dive into that world. You know, people who just play it casually or are just casual NBA fans may not realize that. um, Just you know how popular some of these streamers are and how passionate the fan base is. Uh, I guess what are well, how has that kind of helped the game grow? Just how how passionate this this and loyal this fan base is, and I guess what's a moment where you kind of realize just how intense that fan base can be? Well, I mean, I think I really realized it
1: real early when. You're know, a part of it, but, I guess, you know, yeah. Like, like, uh, started going off. But no, I mean, it, ultimately, like, we are uh, so grateful for our fans. They, you know, like, we p- innovate our game. We spoke about that a lot earlier. But, like, our uh, team at Visual Concepts just does a remarkable job innovating year over year over year. But a lot of that is for the love and labor of our fans and, like, thinking about what the, what are they expecting from us? What are they not expecting from us where we can surprise them like where can we kind of lead that conversation where can they lead us to you know like that is that dichotomy of like fan and product like i think we understand better than really mm, any brand um you know i can confidently say that we innovate our game on an annual basis more than any other video game um and that comes from the feedback that our, our fans give us and the passion and, and love for it. And I mean, I see it every day. I, you know, there's a few days I, I can go outside now without writing into a, a 2K fan that's super loyal and super, like, uh, appreciative of, of the brand and, and what has happened. So um, it just speaks to the power of basketball. It speaks to the power of gaming. Um, and, you know, we're just, we're so fortunate to have um, great fans.
0: I feel like you're living the dream for a lot of these fans. They would love to work in video games, work in their favorite video game. What would be advice for someone that you have that wants to work in the video game space or have a job that's somewhat similar to yours? Well, somewhat similar to mine is, uh, I, I definitely like, am not something that
1: I'm not. Like, I really do act like myself o- online. And I know that sounds really basic and simple, but there's an authenticity thing, you know, like, especially as content creation has and like being an influencer has become a like, you know, coveted position. It's like these guys work hard. They're putting themselves out there. They're trusting their community. Um they are, they are like really leaning into their own authentic selves and then, you know, showcasing that. It sounds easy. It's not. And like you, you gotta work hard. You got to be authentic. And, and if you're funny, be funny. If you're not funny, don't try to be funny, right? Like, be the content that you are And um, So that's really the big thing. And, you know, the technology changes, trends change, all of that. You have to re-educate. You have to, like, continue to learn. The, the learning never really stops. And, like, um, you know, I, new, new uh, social medias begin, like, be real. I'm like learning about being real. I think I'd have to learn, right? So like, but you have to, you have to be on top of it and, and put yourself, it's a career, right? Like you have to give it your all and and learn. And um, that's the advice that I would have is continue to re-educate and continue to be yourself.
0: And last question for you, what do you think is the future of 2K, the future of video games in general? You know, there's a, there's a lot of, new technologies popping up and, and things like that. Uh, what do you think we'll see in this you know franchise going forward and then just in, in video games in general?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that we, we are always looking for more ways to touch our fans and to engage them and give them, um, you know, shares of entertainment. There's a, there's a lot of entertainment facilities, especially, you know, coming out of the pandemic, like everybody's trying to grab mind share of their audience. And, uh, you know, we, we want to do the same. So we're trying to offer as much You know entertainment value as we can um and so those are only going to continue we're going to continue to innovate and sort of lead the way as we've the last you know 20 25 years and you know i'm excited for it it's it's gaming is is great because like it's still kind of a a new age um you know entertainment device and we're just scratching the
0: surface of what we can do is there anything else that we didn't touch on about two K twenty four that you want to throw out there?
1: No, I, I, you know, like uh, obviously being able to celebrate Kobe and um, his legacy. Uh, we're actually, I am even looking to like advance that. Uh, you know, I don't know, if, Alex. Did you see that mural that in LA that uh, um, that they're trying to pull down? Um, oh yeah that's insane Vanessa Vanessa posted about it so like we signed this petition we put it out there but I'd like to actually do more and um, you know like 2K has a responsibility in the basketball world to to do good and give back and you know there's several projects we're working on that I'm really excited about in the real world to you know Mm -hmm. continue to benefit the game of basketball because it's given us so much and that's one of them right like how can we um Give uh, back to you know this this member of the basketball committee that meant so much to so many people. And so the, the, that's you know definitely a, a focus um, of ours, and we'll continue to be for the foreseeable future.
0: For sure, we'll put the link to the petition in the description of this video for too. Sure. So anyone wants to sign that, you know, definitely we'll make it easy. Um, last thing, just because you brought up you know Kobe in the cover, I'm curious. Obviously, with Kobe, it's it's a little bit different, but. What's the typical process of deciding a cover athlete um, yeah. you know what kind of conversations go into that and, and how do you guys make that decision
1: well it's a small collect well certain years it's been different right like we've done a variety of things but for the most part it's a small collection of people that think about it because it is a small collection of people that are you know like candidates really right Like, mm-hmm. um, and the, the cover means so much it is like the, the real Big endorsement that a uh, uh, any NBA player is really looking forward to. I just um I had this interview coming out with Trey Young um in a couple of weeks where we talked about that, um, uh, like what a cover means is like a, a, an exclamation point in a career for an NBA player. And so yeah, you know, but um I would say like what we kind of try to think about are uh do they play the game for sure? Like can they speak confidently about 2 and not just the NBA. Um, do they have something that connects with our marketing campaign that you're destroy that we're trying to tell with the game and, you know, with our general marketing? And then are they generally on some sort of trajectory upwards? Like, well, if you look at the at the covers, like, we don't have a cover curse, right? Like, our guys are consistently in the conversation for MVP and final champions and all of that stuff. So, um, that's that's what we're looking for is, is you know, hot playing at the highest level, but trending upwards. And,
0: you know, but definitely it starts with being a fan first. Awesome. Well, Ronnie, thanks so much for your time, man. It's always fun picking your brain. Uh, thanks so much. Yeah, appreciate you, Alex. Anytime. Everyone, make sure you guys pick up NBA 2K24 if you haven't already. Make sure you guys follow Ronnie across all of his socials. And stay tuned for my interview with Sean Marion. In a moment, we will be joined by four time NBA All Star and NBA Champion Sean Marion. But first, I want to thank our presenting sponsor, Prize Picks. If you haven't played daily fantasy sports on Prize Picks, you are missing out. Here's how it works you pick two to six players and pick whether they'll score more or less points than their prize pick projection. If you're right, you win big. You can win 25 times your money on any entry. Prize Picks offers projections on every sport NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, soccer, WNBA eSports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, overseas basketball, cricket and more. You can mix and match players from different sports, so you could have LeBron James and Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. If you download PrizePix today and use the promo code RUNNING, R U N N I N G, they'll match 100% of your deposit up to $100. That's the promo code RUNNING, R U N N I N G for a 100% deposit match up to $100. It takes less than 60 seconds to build a lineup. And right now I'm going to show you just how easy it is to build a lineup. Let's go ahead and do that right now. I'm going to go ahead and pick Calvin Ridley, more than 53.5 receiving yards. And then let's go Nico Collins, more than 59.5 receiving yards. Let's do a $20 entry, place entry. Just like that, I am entered and I am good to go. It's that easy to play on prize picks. Go ahead and give it a try. Use that code RUNNING for a 100% deposit match up to $100. Now let's get to our interview with Sean Marion. So, Sean, you're currently in Abu Dhabi for the Mavs-Wolves preseason games, hosting a basketball clinic. You just judged a dunk contest. Uh, how's your trip going, and what's been the experience? Uh, what's the experience been like over there? I
2: mean, the trip is going amazing. You know, uh, this is this is a new culture I've never experienced, never been uh, never been here. You know, uh, being... Uh, a different part of the world right now and I, I mean I can tell you this uh, this is some place I would definitely be coming back to and uh this this is truly awesome.
0: How passionate are the basketball fans over there?
2: You know what they're very passionate about it because it, I just had a meeting uh just came from an office visit and he had like 250 employees but it was 16 different <laughs> uh, languages and everybody spoke two, 16 different languages there so I, I tell you how diverse it is here and uh they really, they really problem themselves on that here. And uh it's, it's pretty it's pretty amazing.
0: The NBA's made globalization a priority for some time now. Uh from when you were playing to now, do you see a big difference in just the worldwide popularity and international support of the NBA?
2: Um, yes. I mean, I think as you as you look at the uh the lay of the land right now, you know, NBA is I mean basketball is is is, is a global sport, but the way the NBA has been able to grow it is They take them to to other levels because they they're starting academy academies and they having clinics all around the world and it just that that helps to grow even faster. Of course, TV and content now with social media does does it as well. But the the, the level is growing right now too is is, is is
0: unheard of. So the Suns recently announced that they're going to retire your jersey. Congratulations. Uh, how you. did you how did you find out that news and what's going through your head? What's your reaction when you get that great news?
2: Well, you know, um, man, Matt. I'm gonna be, I'll be very honest and candid. Matt called me as soon as he took ownership of the team, and uh, he was like, "I'm I'm not doing something that should have been done already. I'm gonna take care of you and uh, reward you with retiring in jersey and uh, I'm a man of my word, and I'm going to do. That's exactly what he said. He did. Yeah. I
0: just feel like something. Matt. Suns fans are so excited about Matt. Understandably so. He's winning over fans by spending money, making games more accessible. You know, honoring former players like yourself, building a new state of our facility what what do you think of that and the fresh start uh that the the have from an ownership perspective
2: man you know i i, I love it man you know uh you know uh, i got a chance to see a practice facility that's literally probably not too far from my place that i have in phoenix still uh that uh i ain't been able to see or you know, been a, i ain't feel like i feel that like, like, uh like a like a weight lift off my shoulders to a certain degree you know he making it he making the transition so easy and just like he wants he wants all the players to paved the way and set the, the foundations for, for the Suns organization and helped build that that uh, that team that what the city loves and admires. And he just, he just, want, he wants everybody to be a part of it, man. And uh, I, I love it. I think it's awesome. And uh, he's doing some amazing things out there.
0: What are your expectations for this year's Suns team? I mean, obviously, three star players, uh, a really nice roster. What are your thoughts? You know, do you think they can win a championship this year?
2: Man, I think they got chances like anybody else, but they, uh, of course, there's probably a little bit more. I think, real, real realistic than, you know, some of the other teams. But, I mean, I just hope they stay healthy. And, uh, you know, um, it, when you stay healthy, I think you, need, you give yourself a chance. That's the thing. A lot of teams can deal with injuries, and they've been hit with the injury bug a little bit as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, they got Frank Boble, the head coach out there now. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, hey, you know, he's a defensive line of guy, and uh, they, got, they just made another trade. They just got some other pieces to add to it. Grayson Allen and somebody else. Uh, yeah, and you said uh, Nurkic. Big, big big Nurkic, Nurkic. Nurkic, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, that happened. I think that happened while I was out was I here or I was in Phoenix. I was at a meeting or something. I got, got the alert. I was like, wow. I was like, they ain't playing no games right now. So, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, he's trying to give himself the best chance in the organization chance, the best chance to win. That's what you got to do.
0: You and I have talked before about your outstanding career and how you helped change the game. Uh, overall, though, what are your thoughts on the modern NBA, you know, today's style of play? I mean,
2: listen. Uh, it's it's running good. It's feast of famine right now. I like, think uh, you know we did set the foundation for what it is. It's almost like so positionless basketball pulley being played uh, that is is dynamic and this uh, and this you know, you're seeing the transition of that. But when we started back in uh, you know seeing in the Phoenix days of the seven seconds or less, what we would call uh, era. But that, that's what we started, and it's that's what it is right now. And I don't. I don't see it going back to to a, a two man two man game ever again one of my favorite two man big, two man two man, two, man, two big men you
0: know, yeah, two yeah. traditional bigs. one yeah. of my favorite changes was there was like a one year shift where everyone went from well having a defined position and like being called a tweener was so bad. And then, yeah. like, the next year at the Combine, every single player is saying they're positionless and they don't have a specific position. Being in the league around that time when that shift happened, you know, what was the, what was your reaction? I mean, because you're someone that could play multiple positions. You're guarding Shaq and playing the five at times. You know, yeah. did you kind of experience that from within the league as well and just see that shift yourself?
2: So, so, we started and I did see it. But the thing is, though, people can say that, but I don't mean they are, you know. Uh, to be a two-way player in this way in this league is very rare. But to be a positionless players even rare. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, your guy can go out there, can guard one, two, five, and, and, and do it. Willingly do it. It's, it's a big difference. A lot of guys probably could do it, but they don't do it. You know? Huh? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, right now we like I said, you playing, we're playing um positionless basketball because everybody's switching everything. Except hey, most guys don't really post up anymore either. It's all it's all face face up game and jumpers. So, um, it's. It's easy to just jump into that narrative and bandwagon, but if you look at the game as a whole, though, you know it's more of a guard-heavy game now than it was prior to when we did go to make that transition. So uh, it's just been a shift in the bigs now. Are a lot of bigs now don't post up anymore? They're face-up players. So um, that's that's the evolution of the game.
0: A few years ago, I asked you if there was anyone in the current NBA that reminded you of yourself. And I think you said Kawhi Leonard, maybe a little bit of Paul George. Um, Is there anyone now that you still, you know, now there's been three or four more draft classes since then. Is there anyone now or are are those still the main guys?
2: I'm probably still the main guys because, you know, um, they're still uh, currently really doing it very, very effective right now. You know, I Mm -hmm. make, uh, we got some younger guys right now, but... uh, uh, we we ain't, we ain't seen them blossom just yet, you know. So we got some guys tweaking and peeking out the window just a little bit right now. We we ain't seen them reach that next plateau yet. So, uh, but no, that was that's, that's pretty much consistent. Yeah,
0: you and I have done some NBA watch parties together on Clubhouse back in the yeah. day with the NBA. Mm-hmm. I love when you hop on Twitter Spaces too. That video of you educating fans on like your career and your resume is a classic. Yeah. It was so entertaining. I have to ask, have you ever thought about doing a podcast or anything like that? Because I, I could listen to you talk basketball all day. It's so much fun.
2: Well, it's funny you say that. You know, I actually, I actually had a podcast with one of my guys in, in Dallas first, so I was one of the first guys to ever do it. I oh didn't, wow! Just didn't, I just didn't do it. Uh, we just didn't do it and did it do all that stuff. It was, it was something we did in the Mavs organization, like kind of, kind of early on, like way before everybody started getting to the podcast. And the good thing is, it was great. But you know, the is, podcast. You know, you're you, in order, unless you got a, like a set thing, you you you've got to create content all of the time. And I was so busy, or focused on trying to be a father first. that, yeah. that was my lane. And then I, you know, I, I doubled and dabbled in TV a little bit. Thought about doing some broadcasting work, but like I said, my my priority shifted because I, you know, I really became a uh, I'm a hands I'm a hands-on father. So like, yeah, yeah and doing that stuff, I couldn't. I couldn't do it in Dallas because that was that was the, the situation. But I thought about reopening that tool, maybe that window, because you know I do have a different side of the game that I like to talk about. Because I'm, I'm I know the narratives get created easily from the media, and we, we consume them, and we digest them, and they become the thought part of our thought process of that player, of that team, or whatever it is. But when you hear it from a guy, and I, I was talking this with one of my friends, I was telling him like, "Yo, you know," I was like, "You know, it's easy for a player." Uh, to say, I could do this or do that. But what kind of player were you, though? Because it's, it's hard to tell a point guard or to tell a big how to guard big when a point guard can't guard a big or a big guard a guard, or vice versa. So when I say it, I guard it all up. Yeah, I did it all up. And I didn't just do it for no quarter or, you know what I'm saying, half quarter. I did it for full games. So when I sit there and I tell people that, I was like, people be like, man, you know, I never thought about it from that standpoint. I was like, yo, I actually did this you know what I'm saying? You're like it's easy for somebody to say I can guard somebody. Oh, I can. I'm a two way player. I can guard this player. I'm like, can you do it for a full game though? I'm the only person ever to do it for full games.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you have so much experience. You know, you can say you've guarded so many different guys. You've experienced pretty much everything and you have the passion for the game. Um, Yeah, I just think that would be an awesome podcast. Last question for you. I love asking players about big what-ifs for NBA history. I had Kobe on my show years ago. I asked him about nearly getting traded to the Bulls. I asked T-Mac about almost forming a big three with Tim Duncan and Grant Hill. There was a report years ago that you almost were traded to Boston. Kevin Garnett was almost traded to Phoenix and Picks went to Minnesota. Is that true? And, you know, can you tell that story?
2: It's true. And uh, Phoenix wasn't going to do the deal. Mm-hmm. They, they think it was, uh because what would happen is you would change your style of play instantly because we're two different type of players. So, and they they didn't, they didn't want it. Uh, and then at the time, I think Boston had, because that's what I said, because he was in, in Minnesota at the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Before, yeah. So they I would have I went to Boston. He would came there, but like, and at the time, Boston was losing too. I think they had a losing record at that time. You know, and yeah. I was like, oh, but I mean, we have no control over that. So right. the thing is, it was crazy. Some of the rumors that come out about trades are actually true. Mm-hmm. But the question is, both sides have to agree to it. So people would throw out deals all the time. People, you, yeah, how serious were the goes. talks? Explain how the deal goes out there. Well, so yeah. like this morning, you want to hear our uh, intro true story. So I was about to be a free agent. I never really fully ever became a free agent except my last year playing. That's why I went and signed with uh, with uh, Cleveland, my last yeah. year of play. That's when I was bar none cut from everybody. Because when I signed with Dallas, it was a signed trade. I was still in the contract, basically, uh, with Toronto. It was a signed trade deal. So I never really tested the free market agency like that. And um, so uh, what happened was uh, I was about to be a free agent. Uh, I was about to be something. It was a, it was a trade. Kobe had called. And it was something dealing with if it was true. That's around that time with the rumors with the KKG KG stuff. And it was like, uh, like, are you really if you really gonna go out in this market or or it's a possibility, I want you to come to LA. Wow. So we was texting and he was like, yo, I was it, it ain't happened because they didn't have the money to pay me. You know what I'm saying? Right. It was very, very but uh that wasn't a story that people don't know about a lot.
0: I always find something so interesting just thinking how that could change NBA history. Like you in a Lakers uniform or a Celtics uniform, KG in Phoenix. It's crazy. There was a lot of
2: situations out there that was, uh, you know, openly uh, open a little bit. It was, it was pretty fun though, man. You know, I think uh, when you look at the business of the NBA, man, in the whole, man, you know, uh, optimism of, of what could possibly be is, is is what makes it that much dynamic though. You know, and uh even with the trade this way down with uh Damon Lear, everybody Paul Pierce actually it's funny he actually predicted that. In he July, did call that. In July, he said, if I'm Dane, I'm trying to get I will try to get to Milwaukee. So I saw that, yeah. I, I it's funny he said that, but I mean I can see it, but I don't do I think they better they lost a lot for that trade. You know, um Grace Lee Allen was a great player for Milwaukee. You know, uh, yeah, that's a great pickup for Phoenix. You no, know, he's a hell of he's a great player, dude. Yeah. Like, he does a lot of small stuff. He's a very tough guy. I like him. There's something about him I like. I like the ones Duke, Duke, that little rough, rugged side zone. But <laughs> yeah. he's, he's one of those guys that can hit shots. You know, he's going to play defense. He could he compete. He, he actually a lot better than people give him credit for. He, he ain't got a chance really to showcase his skills, but he could play. And yeah. uh, if they were they, they able to use him the right way, he can help them.
0: He's very underrated. I'm glad you made the point, too, about how, you know, so many trade talks get put out there and, you know, one team might just call another and that becomes a rumor. But there are times when, you know, the talks are serious and like this, where the players are actually communicating, too, like you're talking to Kobe. So, yeah, I always find those situations fascinating. So I, pre- I appreciate you uh, delving into that. But thanks so much for your time, man. Uh, enjoy the rest of your trip and uh, have a safe flight home.
2: No, I appreciate it. I'll just, man, don't, anytime, man. You know, we do have great conversations.
0: Well, I always I might,
2: enjoy it. Wait, I might contemplate redoing it, but I, if I do, I gotta yeah, I gotta have multiple equipment to be able to do it mobile. You know what I'm saying? That's it's, the way so, to do it. Yeah, well, let's see. I don't know. I gotta doing it though. Great, I gotta have a great co-host.
0: Yeah, a co-host. I was like say, I'd listen to a podcast between you two. Or any, hey, co-host. let's do it, man.
2: I gotta have <laughs> gotta have a co- I gotta have a co-host and I gotta, you know what I'm saying? Cause I, I like people to shoot. Don't I tell this to a reporter so I'm gonna give this to you. I told this to yeah, a yeah. guy who was me yesterday. I said, you know. When you're doing your interviews, mm-hmm. do not ask the same questions and stuff that Eric, somebody else you heard ask. Do not. It's so annoying. It. It's okay to piggyback off of it just to get some kind of content to create something in your own lane. But yeah, look that, at it from the game. You like you're, you sound you're a true fan. I know you're a true fan of the game. Yeah. And yeah. You, like, you, you really love it. So ask the questions you you think that you would want to know if you was really, you know, saying the position. Forget about the stuff that, that's already been out there already. Exactly. Create your own, because we all got a story to tell to certainly yep. But you know, certain guys. You know, it's the thing is for me, I, I, and I hate it. And I, and I love my my full of guys talking about ball and stuff. But some of them talking, like they was way bigger than better than they what they were. They was some of these guys were below average role players. So, but they talked like they were superstars. So I'm like, what did you? How good was you? What did you do? Like seriously, <laughs> you know they do. I'm, yeah, I'm, you're I'm, right. Like, you no, know, he was a role player. You know what I'm saying? He was a he was a a solid role player. And you now I became a role player. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I, you
0: know, I think that's have that longevity player. though. Yeah, um, you had your no, you had four all star years. The low you to, consider,
2: to You got to sacrifice to win. That's the biggest thing, you know. It, I could easily average such and such, but I was like, no, they don't need me to do that. I don't have to do that. If we can win and we average in seven, 16, 17 points, I'm cool with that. You know, yeah, we gonna win. I'm good with that. Let's win. I was about getting them W's, but that's something to think about, though. Don't like you. you asked some great questions, Nana. That's Thank that's, you. that's the that's the lane to go into. Actually, things that hypotheticals or. But something that you know, what, he pretty good at this. Now, how, how did you, how did you pick up on that? Or it was something out there that you do differently than everybody else do. What, what is that? This does some different, different questions, not the same questions. We can repeatedly ask the same questions time and time again. It's I can't getting, imagine how going that is. It sucks. I'm, I'm yeah, beyond, it sucks. I hate it. I can't I, imagine. I'm <laughs> you know, <laughs> it yeah, yeah. like, Oh just ask me that question do know, you know what? If for Me, I'm, I can say this because I, I, I'm in. I ain't got nowhere to go right now. Immediately, but I got to change clothes. Yeah. yeah. One thing everybody was constantly asking me. I think he was on the on the. Uh, we was on. We did this on Clubhouse.
0: Yeah.
2: Everybody seemed to want to ask me about my shot. Okay. So dumb. Oh, uh-huh. well, listen. You know, you know what's really messed up about that though. One person said it, right? One media said it. So we go rampant, it. Every media person want to reciprocate that answer, right? Whether, mm. whether I like it or not or whether I enjoy it or not, the funny thing is, though, okay, I, I did so much on the floor, but you want to focus on something that nobody talks about. Don't nobody don't, don't buy talk about anybody in the lead. Nobody in the lead should say, so why would you even remotely do that? But yeah. somebody else did it, and I found out, like, being, I'm an owner now, so I, I figure out the narratives and lanes that people go into so I, I, I took it as a uh, 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 I was I was pissed off, but now I I, I respond to no problem at all. But I was like, okay, nobody should say, say Okay, let's do this next. But it's like, why would you talk about that? You want you want to talk about my shot, but you want to talk about I just had twenty five and fifteen and, and shot thirty
0: nine percent from 21. one talk, year. You want
2: to discredit me on what I did on the floor just to talk about my shot? And I, I got it. I, I totally understand. There's certain. Lanes and narratives when they want to be pushed, I I totally get it. I'm an owner now, so I see exactly what the lane he wanted as far product placement and marketing strategies. I know how it works, but but I don't know who controls it. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, being on this side of the business side of it, I know how things work. But it's all good though. It's all love though. Thank you though.
0: Thanks again to Ronnie 2K and Sean Marion for coming to hang out with us. Running Up the Score airs every Tuesday and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Wherever you're listening right now, whether it's Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. We're going to have some big-time guests on throughout the NBA season, so hit that subscribe button. And until next Tuesday, thanks for watching.